Feminist Killjoys, PhD, an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics, as discussed by two professional Killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be discussing various things. Uh, We'll talk about what we did this past week. We'll talk about football a little bit and maybe some other current events. And we'll see where the episode takes us. But first, Melody, where can the listeners find us on the internet? The listeners, our listeners. In select places, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. We have an Instagram account. We have a Facebook page where you can like us, but we also have a community, Feminist Killjoys, community, WTF Power. WTF is Women Trans Femme. So search for us there. We have a Twitter account where we retweet things and also tweet out when our episodes come up. And then we have a mixtape on Spotify. Search Feminist Killjoys PhD. And if you have extra dollars and want to support feminist media laborers, you can donate to our website, which is feministkilljoyspodcast.com. Just click on the birdie. And then we also have a Patreon account. And then we also have an email address, fkj.phd at gmail.com. And also, uh, we had four donations come in this week. So thank you so much to all of the wonderful people. Can I just pause? Because this is kind of lovely. I heard, I'm going to mess up the quote, but my yoga teacher's intention yesterday was um, basically be, be humble because you're made of like the broken earth, but be confident because you're made of the stars. And it was something like finding the balance between confidence and humbleness and Hmm. I just thought that was really nice because I think we all, I think so many of us struggle with like both and we're like, how can I possibly not be humble when I feel like so down about myself sometimes and, but like finding, you know, finding that balance. I don't know, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think for WTF listeners, especially like the confidence thing is a big issue that like, we don't want to seem overly confident because we see what that what that looks like in our male-bodied peers, yep. and it looks awful. And so I think we overcompensate and try to to seem extra humble, even though we have confidence within us. Um, I mean, yep. I'm speaking for myself, but I think that it, it resonates that you don't want to come off as arrogant. So you just stay extremely humble, which is also detrimental in jobs and interpersonal relationships Completely. and all and that. that- so. But then when you do speak up, you're told that you're, yeah, I mean, this is nothing new. You're told that you're a bitch or you're told that you're bossy and you start to kind of believe that about yourself too. So you're like, wait a second, like, you know, am I, am I over asserting too much? Am I being too confident when you're probably just being like, as they say, the level of a mediocre white man and getting judged differently because of it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. How's, how's your week been? How was, how was your birthday week? My birthday week was good-ish. Was it good? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it sucked. I can't even. It's like one day at a time, you know? So I'm sure the week yeah. was bad and <laughs> with all the news. And um, yeah. Uh, God, I can't remember much from my week, but I remember my birthday. I played basketball with my colleagues 
and that mm-hmm. was fun. And then I got some body work done with my yoga teacher, which was fun. And right. then I went to rehearsal because I was in the cabaret. Uh, so mm-hmm. we just kind of set up the stage and hung out and just talked radical politics, which was nice. Like we had this like really nerdy discussion about the city council races. <laughs> Like that's like where I'm at that's now. Um, yeah, and then uh, Saturday, my brother John took me out to lunch, which was really nice, and I performed in the cabaret, which was really cool because uh, it was about. I didn't tell anybody about the plot line last last week, but it's it was basically like the night before Trump becomes elected, but it's it follows this liberal family who thinks Hillary Clinton's going to win. And this little girl, like, Mm -hmm. goes to sleep, and then these people keep waking her up. She keeps having nightmares. So, like, two fascists Mm. come to visit her, and then a capitalist that looks like the Grinch comes to visit her and just, like, haunts her. (laughs) And as every cabaret goes, you know, at the end, there's this, like, really hopeful moment. But the cabarets are designed to, like, kind of agitate white people, make them a little uncomfortable. Um, But then we always have local Mm -hmm. organizations talk. So we had, like, actually, Mm -hmm. like, Black Lives Matter, somebody from Mm Saytool, which the cabaret was kind of raising money for, and then neighborhoods organizing for change. So they all, like, spoke Mm -hmm. about the work they do Mm -hmm. and, like, got people motivated. I mean, everybody's motivated now. Yeah, so it was a big audience. And I think, you know, some of the people that I talked to just said that, like, I just really needed this. Like, I needed to go do something entertaining. But there's a lot of us that even doing so- just doing something that's entertainment, if it's not politically motivated, we kind of feel like it's a waste of time. If you're so involved in, like, resistance. Mm-hmm. And so it felt good for people to be entertained, but also, like, still be in community with people that are, are similar. So it was good. Um, do- would you like me to sing yeah, some lines from one great. of my songs? Please. Just a little flavor. Yep. A couple verses. Yep. So I'll just do the chorus. Um, So I was a fascist. Okay. So I'm speaking from a fascist. And it's to the tune of Prince's Kiss. Okay. Yep. You may think that we're sick or uninformed, but the truth is we dig our white male norm. A fascist storm's on the (laughs) rise that you progressives dismissed. It's past time that you recognize that we're pricks. (laughs) that's great love it that's that is such a bold move to do all prince covers because prince is not easy to like sing along to his it's not easy melodies you know i mean props to the people who changed the lyrics which that was not my job yeah right so and one of the songs speaking of hard songs was pussy control and they changed it to ah trump's in control Oh, man. <laughs> and then the rap was wow. all, like, he kind of r- rap sings. They right. changed all the lyrics. It was... Wow. Good for... That's awesome. hmm Yeah. I think that's... I think we talked about this last week, but just, like, to be able to have another platform, like, an artistic creative platform to share community with, as opposed to, you know, there's, like, creative acts and, you know, fun protests, potentially, depending on which kind of protest you're at. But it seems like that forum is just nice to have to have that kind of outlet. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I forgot to, you should, ch- um, obviously you should check in um, with the listeners and, and let them know how you're doing. Um, I was wondering though, if you ever did get your um, paychecks f- for when you were the pr- uh, professional protester or no, you were the, you were a professional anarchist, <laughs> right? In your early twenties. I was a professional anarchist in my 
In my early twenties, yeah. So I, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I no, I haven't, I haven't gotten those paychecks yet. For those of you that don't know, Donald Trump, he talk about job creation. I mean, that man won two weeks in office and he's already creating great jobs, you know. So if you, we're we're kidding. For those of you that didn't see the tweet, Donald Trump talked about professional anarchists and everybody LOL'd because and paid protesters no and thugs. And paid protesters, yeah. Yeah. And thugs. Yeah, Twitter was a big part of my week. I'm, like, officially into Twitter. Like, it took me many tries. I've been on for a long time, mostly to do things for classes. But now I'm, like, super into it. And uh, it's been fun. So follow me on Twitter. It's, uh, I forget my handle, actually. Isn't it just Rachel Rachel Lee Ann or something? That's my, that's my name. That's not, I think, the at sign. Wow, you'd think I should know. I forget because I've changed it a million times because I've never really been happy with whether I was going to make it like a professional account or like a not professional account. Yeah, and I have that I'm issue too. Oh, it is. It's at Rachel underscore Lee underscore Anne, um, which is my middle name. But I give zero shits about professionalism. So I don't think anybody that I work with other than my like comrades that I work with know this account. So whatever. I'm just going to re retweet anarchist stuff and communist stuff and not care <clears throat> see that's why i have so, two that's why i have two accounts i have a my teacher account yeah that's yeah. smart that just feels yeah that's smart my <laughs> my week was yeah up and down you know i've been really battling just like low-key depression i think of because of the state of the world and just probably my own nor- like normal mental health stuff the f- monday of this week my car died while i was driving it on a really busy road <sighs> on my way home from work and instead of really? going to go to the yoga class that i usually go to to help me decompose press after a long day at work I waited in the cold in the dark on the side of a busy road and a thousand dollars later got my car fixed which was not fun at all that sucked and then um yeah just like whatever up and down emotions Tuesday though was fun um I went to see the moth the storytelling event that is often circulated on NPR um and I actually signed up I was going to read it was about gender And I prepared and I practiced and I was really excited. Speaking of like creative outlets, I was really excited. Unfortunately, I did not get picked, which is a bummer. But but it was really really fun to like let myself write and um, think about performing again. That was fun. And then uh, week, yeah, just sort of normal work slash dealing with the world feelings. But Saturday, for a few hours on Saturday, I had a really nice time because my friend Megan hosted a Galentine's Day Crafternoon, and we made valentines and i made a bunch of like radical themed valentines and it was a lot of fun cool that sounds way up your alley yeah yeah it totally was you can check out my gram maybe i'll put it on the fkj page too for those of you who don't follow me so do we want to talk about who is running the dinner party or is just like the next four years very obvious do we want to talk about something specific because otherwise i had a question for you about if you were going to watch a certain sporting event tonight and if you could tell me your feelings about it. Well, under that, guys, I mean, the NFL is always ruining the dinner party. Uh, My partner was actually telling me, he told me not to read a particular article in the newspaper because we get the newspaper delivered to our house. And he said, don't read the one about the Super Bowl. And I said, okay. And then he like had to tell me why. And it was about how, um, like how much money the NFL either puts into the Super Bowl or requires cities to put into the Super Bowl. And then Mm -hmm. knowing that the NFL is, you know, horribly rich, they produce 12,000 volunteers to do the work. 
during the Super Bowl. Wow. They get volunteers. (laughs) And what I said, you know, my reaction was, that's bananas. Mm -hmm. Because the NFL has plenty of money to pay these people. But it's going to take people to say no to the volunteer gig before anything is going to change. Right. Right. Because people are just such fans. Fans, yeah, but not say no. yeah. But I do know it, it. There's precedent, like the Green Bay Packers. One of the reasons why, I mean, the reason why I, I was watching the NFL for a while. They like when it snows out and they have to shovel out Lambeau Field. They pay people to do that. You know, like they get it. Yeah. <laughs> you pay people to do the work. Right. But they, t- yeah, the NFL right. takes advantage of people that um, want to be involved in the Super Bowl and they don't pay people. And I think that's just ridiculous because they have so, so much money. And we were talking about uh, media economics in my class this week. And I I kept reminding people, you know, especially when we were talking about the wage gap between like how much the Apple CEO Mm -hmm. makes and then how much people make at the factories that produce the products. Mm -hmm. And I just said, there's always money. They always have money. It's just where they choose to put it. They're going to say they don't have the money. You know, you might hear that at a university that you go to. People in power are always going to say they don't have money. They always have the money. It's just where they choose to put it. Yep. And that is exactly such the situation with the NFL. They'll say, we can't afford. Absolutely. We don't have the money to pay. Like, yes, you fucking do. Like, but then people yes, don't, <laughs> they don't put two and two together. They're like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, they said they don't I have know. money. Like, you might want to check how much the CEO is making. And they said, well, right. he, he worked hard to get that, that job. Right. Oh, so. I I know, I know. It's so enraging. We just it's, need to have some yeah, more. Yeah, I mean, I heard. We need to have more class consciousness in this consciousness. country. Absolutely. Like, we need to really remind people that, like, I think we're at the point where people know that the American dream is bullshit, and there's plenty of people that work hard, but there's still people. I feel like there are some people that don't believe, who, who don't think it's bullshit. There are some people who believe that if you actually worked hard, then anybody could make it. I think some people really believe that. Well, yeah, including people in the working class. I mean, like all my students. Completely. The, the, some Completely. of them, you know, when we were talking about the $15 minimum wage, the, the same people who could get $15 were arguing against it, you know, saying like, I'm not yep. going to be working my ass off to be making the same amount of money as a person at McDonald's. So it's yep. so complicated, but I just I just wish more people understood what a racket it is. Completely. And that they could be yeah, making more I, money. Exactly. Yeah, I'll I'll never forget like one of the most I, like road ragey experiences I had had nothing to do with traffic or driving, which is strange because I am very stressed out in my car. But it was because on NPR, there was a CEO of a restaurant who was talking to an interviewer about um, not paying not not being a proponent of raising the minimum wage, because that would mean he would have to raise prices on the menu and charge more for, you know, charges customers more. And people just seem to accept that. And I was like screaming. I was like, or you could make like 5000 5, less dollars a year and it would literally mean nothing to you. Yeah. Or it would mean like you couldn't afford your private jet. Like, oh, I'm so sorry that you like can't have a private jet so that you can like pay your workers a living wage. Like, right. cry me a fucking river. But just the fact that it was like, there's literally no other no other option. It's either I pay my, my workers like shit or I charge the consumer more. And no no consumer wants to be charged more. And it's like, no, there is a third option here, friend. There is a third fucking option. It's so enraging. It's completely enraging. So that's our obligatory socialist rant of the day. So aside from the profit of the NFL, can you sort of back up and tell us first why why the Packers? Why were you 
able to turn off your feminist critical sort of stuff and be a super fan? And what other things led you to deciding that you weren't going to be a fan anymore? So I grew up in Wisconsin. And if you grow up in Wisconsin, you're kind of obligated to be a Packer fan. But but most of my childhood and early college years, I had no interest in football. But then when my baby brother got to be a little bit older, he got involved in football and he was watching Packer games. And so I got, I just started watching the Packers so we would have something to talk about. And Mm -hmm. so that's like how it kind of started. But then once I started paying attention more to like the Packers as a franchise, I, you know, relearned that they're like, they're owned by the people of Green Bay. Mm -hmm. They don't have cheerleaders. The team is, I mean... The teams unionize just like any other, but they're a very cohesive like community, unlike other teams mm-hmm. that just seem to be more aggro and full of like sexual yeah. assaulters. Like that that kind of controversy just never comes up in the Packers, and I think it's just based on the players that they kind of recruit to to come on the team. Yeah, and so yeah. it felt as I got more into the Packers and some of the critiques of the NFL started appearing in my life. I was like, well, actually, the Packers that doesn't apply to the Packers. Don't do that, right? You know, like yeah. the cheerleader situation, yep. like when I became more feminist I was like well they don't have cheerleaders and you know the the you know the sick money that like just gets funneled back into the owners like the Green Bay owns the Packers um and so that just wasn't a thing and so yeah yeah, I was a I was a uh a really big fan for a really long time It, it opened up um, communication with people that I normally wouldn't communicate with. It was just kind of a thing yep. to, you know. And then I moved up to Minnesota and it was just really weird because you can't really like the Packers up here. But, right. you know, as you know, I found a couple Packers fans. Dana, who's been on the show, is, is a huge Packers fan. And so, you know, when I started grad school, it was nice to have something to like rally around, you know, just something, a similarity yep. that we could bond over. And then stuff started coming out about concussions and you know obviously finance you know money stuff but it was the concussions and the the revelations of sexual harassment assault and domestic violence and the response by the nfl to all of this which was basically like yeah we're not going to do anything you know yeah and so kind of the the stories started piling up and i i Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen this listeners you should watch a league of denial which is a documentary that pbs put out so it should be available online for free somewhere Mm -hmm. but it's basically about how the nfl not only try to cover up the concussions that players were getting but once brain doctors that were extremely smart figured out that these concussions were leading to people's brains decaying and then leading to suicide and Mm -hmm. horrible physical problems for the rest of their lives, um, they started silencing this very specific doctor um, and made sure that he wasn't at meetings, that he didn't get updates. And so there's actually a film that Will Smith was in called Concussion. Was it called Concussion? Mm -hmm. Okay. so I think it was, yeah. So it's about that guy's life, about that doctor. He's an African doctor. um, And all of that mixed... And, you know, that, that made me really angry. But as a feminist... The, the like kind of the icing on the cake or the the straw that broke the camel's back or whatever you want to say was the 
a very specific incident where like there was camera footage from an elevator of a football player, you know, assaulting his his partner and the the NFL basically did nothing. Um and it I was yeah. just like, "All right, like if this is how you feel about women, I'm done." Oh, and yeah. then also as a shout out to Dana, because uh, I know she's really interested in this vein, the um, the breast cancer stuff that they do in October, you know, the, uh, yeah. oh, we care so much about women, we're going to wear pink. And like, it's a like, yeah. it's a big deal to wear pink as a man, like, give me a break. But also, right. <laughs> you don't actually care about women at all. Because when women are abused within the NFL system, you barely do anything. But it's also very... Those are a lot of reasons. Yeah, but, you know, I'm... I'm. It's still, it's still a conflict for me, or it's still... It's hard for me to deal with because uh, there's a lot of people in my life that watch the Packers, and so it's like this one part of their lives that I can no longer talk with them about. This year, I watched the last couple of games because the Packers were going to almost... Like, they were so close to going to the Super Bowl. Like, Atlanta Falcons are the ones going in. If the, if we would have won that game, we would be in the Super Bowl. I did tune in for that kind of stuff. But, you know, when I don't during football season, like, there's a whole conversation that my brothers and my dad have that I'm not a part of. There's people back home mm-hmm. that I'm not a part of, right. you know. And it's fun to say that I'm a Packers fan because then my students make fun of me. You know, it's just kind of like a, right. a, a thing. And... Yeah, it's been it's been hard for me to totally get myself out of it. But the last couple years, I've just been I've just totally tuned out. I've given away all my Packers stuff. And as a feminist, like I can't support an industry that does that to people, both for women and also for the actual bodies of the football players. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another that's another difficult issue um, in terms of I think a lot of people in you know, black communities are like, here is a place where black bodies are actually being valued um, and getting paid a lot of money. And it's like, well, first of all, is that true when we think about the salary of the player compared to the, the owner, first of all? And second of all, like their bodies are literally being broken. And it and it is, I don't know the actual stats of like people of color versus white men in, in football, but obviously there's a large number of, of black men in particular in that sport and actually at the moth uh, an author named steve almond was hosting the event and he wrote a book called against football and just sort of as an aside on the mic he was like yeah i'm sure so many of you on sunday will be watching i I forget how he phrased it but basically like men of color getting head injuries and us sort of celebrating it and uh and that's you know it's it's really obviously very devastating there's been a lot of you know media that's come out and attention to to the 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 trauma of, of some of those injuries and and at least one suicide that that was discussed um, based on on that and we also uh, I think you I don't remember if you assigned that but there's this great academic article that I know a lot of us were assigning in our media studies class do you remember the I think it's Oates yeah Thomas uh, Oates the erotic gaze the, the erotic gaze yeah so there was like a really good article that sort of analyzed the um, the melody you're gonna have terms better than the thing where where they have where they pick the players the combine <laughs> um, it's the erotic gaze of the NFL draft and it's the combine where they all going and um, it's totally unnecessary they just yeah, go and like perform it, for these people that it's like for the draft and and the, the author's pick, comparing yeah. right and the author's comparing it to chattel slavery I mean it's literally like mm-hmm. take your clothes off. How much do you weigh? Mm-hmm. You know, it's everything but show us your teeth, sort of thing. I mean, it's something you when you take when you look at it from that lens. I just wanted to uh, support what you were saying about black and white players because um, some of my students did research mm-hmm. on this last semester, and mm-hmm. 
what's what's more important than like what percentage is what positions they play because for a really long time quarterbacks mm, were white because it's uh, it's an intellectual yep. position and mm, quarterbacks right. you know they have some players on the team their primary job is to protect the quarterback and so right. the rate of injury is lower but then the people right. that are more likely to be running like a running back so they're like going through these Mm -hmm. like these massive bodies they tend to be Mm african-american so they're more likely to get injured and also seen as like less intelligent and this has changed i mean there's i could list off quarterbacks that are black now but i mean it's very much it's a very racialized sport in terms of what positions people end up in so i just wanted to like add add to your like little yeah factoid there that's such an important point to bring up totally i grew up um my family was a pretty, is a pretty big football family, so I watched the Browns when I was really little, and my grandmother was a huge Ohio State fan before she passed away. But I tried real hard, like, growing up, just because, you know, my family liked it to, like, understand it and follow it and, like, actually want to watch a game, and I've honestly just sort of never stuck with me, so I sort of, you know, am, am, am relatively indifferent to, in terms of, like, being, you know, oh, I'm sad that I don't watch this because of my feminism or whatever. So it's not it's not a sacrifice to me to not watch it. Although I will admit I will be contributing to the viewership because I will be at a house tonight uh, that is watching it, um, partly because I'm so fascinated as a media scholar in the commercials and the halftime show. So yeah, so like you being at the house, you know, you're going to be watching Lady Gaga and the commercials and maybe not so much the, the football game and like watching mm-hmm. people get their heads banged around but I have you know Mm -hmm. I have to do the same thing too I mean we teach media classes we have to pay attention and I feel the same way about news like we're I know we're we're trying to keep it positive today but this is the struggle that we have as as media consumers and and people who teach journalism and all this stuff is that like we don't have the option of tuning out because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we have to know what's going on and I don't know how like how you necessarily talk about this stuff with your students but my students know now that my class is the place to talk about current events. And so if yeah. I don't know what's going on, conversations can't go on for very long because um, they kind of look at me for like, well, what, I mean, like what's, re- like, what's really going on? And I have to kind of right. do a mixture of this is what you heard on social media and this is and I like literally pull up news stories now. Like if I say Donald Trump right. um, did this or the Republicans are, are stalling doing this, I show them news articles, you know, and I say right. I'm never going to I'm never going to say something in this class without, you know, actual information. Um, anyway, yep. so going back to the Super Bowl, you know, like if there's going to be some crazy commercial or Lady Gaga is going to do something, my goodness, I hope she does. I need to know about it first because they're gonna they're gonna want to talk about it so yeah right I'm gonna be right there with you I'll probably be grading some quizzes or something but I will say Michael Che did you watch Saturday Night Live last night not yet I can't stay up late and watch it live anymore oh wow (laughs) Uh, I'll watch the really old okay I'm old yeah no it's good I appreciate that um no so it starts at 11 30 on the east coast though to be fair (gasps) oh okay yeah that's pretty late that's super freaking late. There's so many amazing things about Saturday Night Live. And I think that's why I'm not like totally depressed today because mm-hmm. it was just amazing for so many reasons. But in terms of the Super Bowl, Michael Che, who's an, uh, one of the few African-American guys on the show, he gave a shout out to Atlanta, the Falcons, because they're like basically 
he said something about like an a black city. You know, a black city is going to the Super yeah. Bowl against yeah. the Patriots, who are just assholes and support Trump. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah. "All right, all right, thanks, Michael. You're bringing me. Okay, I got, yeah. All right, I got the political <laughs> team to root for. So uh, right, if you, need, if you right. need a team, Rachel, you know." Yeah, it's really bizarre being in Massachusetts because these people do not fuck with sports. And that's also interesting because Massachusetts is like a solidly blue state. So, I mean, you know, we we kind of carry more progressive leanings of, of New England, I suppose. But mm-hmm. regardless, it, people are just really fucking serious about I mean, if it's not Tom Brady, I'm just really not sure. I just don't know. I'm sorry. Also, fuck that guy. Um, fuck Tom Brady. Yeah, Such fuck that guy for sure. White privilege idiot like. yeah he's a piece of, he's a piece of garbage yeah 100 <laughs> percent. i know that much i know enough to know that he's a piece of garbage i do i do know that um but his wife not so much she was apparently mad at him for being frenzies with trump giselle okay so okay oh giselle was on um she was on saturday night live last night that was amazing oh really there was yeah there i'm was, gonna re i'll rewatch it's on blue i mean Kristen stewart super she like references how gay she is it's awesome mm. you're gonna love it nice Melissa That's great. McCarthy yeah, I am. Um, go get down oh, there. Oh, great! I'll oh, start. Man. I'll start crew last night. Cool. Oh, yeah. Any other things you want to say on the topic of football? Yes, I do. Or um, anything? I ran into yeah. uh, my friend Alex. Remember Alex? Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know that I ever actually met him, He's but super, I remember the name. Super good looking. Shout out Alex. He's not listening. Okay. okay. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I saw him. I saw him last night, and so. He he taught me a lot about the Seattle Seahawks and how like political mm-hmm. they are with Richard Sherman and yeah. you know yeah. uh, Michelle Lynch who is no longer on the team and I just also even though the NFL sucks I do super admire the NFL players who fight the power wh- whatever that means totally. to them and the Seahawks have collected a lot of them and Dave Zirin yep. who I've mentioned I'm sure multiple times on this podcast he's a uh, he has he's he's the journalist that I wish I knew I could have been going to grad school right. or going to to journalism right. school he's a critical yep. sports writer and um he often writes about these types of players. And so there is a lot of resistance yeah. within the NFL. And I try to support totally. those people, you know, Colin Kaepernick, et cetera. Of course. Yep. And yep. so just yeah. shout out to those guys because it's hard, it's hard to fight against such a big monster and they do. And it's, it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's always, and, and we're hopefully, I, I keep saying that I want to have an episode about pop culture and award shows and why I like him invested at all in celebrities and Hollywood. And I think it's something similar, like the silver lining of like being invested in a cultural phenomenon that is so fucked up is that those moments of resistance can be so powerful because those, whether it's football or a popular reality television show or whatever it is, those are the things that mass audiences are watching. There aren't mass audiences following Unicorn right on Twitter <laughs> um, or any of the other sort of like lefty things that we're that we talk about in reference. So um, how how incredibly powerful to know that there are some people that are going to make powerful, salient political messages for such a huge group of people, just like Beyonce at the Super Bowl a couple of years or was it only last year or two years ago? It was only last year. It was only last year. Formation. I used yeah. that performance and, in my classes. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Beyonce. It was amazing. Also, congratulations to the Carters. Yeah. Except bringing more. Why don't you just adopt some people? Because really. There's <laughs> no, tell like, us how you really feel. Tell us how you really feel about people who get pregnant. Tell I'm us. like really not into it anymore. I'm just like, are you serious? I, I like ask subtly. I'm like, hey, did they mean to get pregnant? Like if it's a mistake, you know, if it's an accident, it's like, that's fine. But like. 
You're planning on bringing another human being into this world when there's like foster kids just like needing homes. To, I don't know. I just, that's how I really feel. Yeah. I know you've never heard that from me before, but. I no, I've never that. heard that. And I, I don't, I get it. I totally get it, but I just don't feel as strongly. And also because I just like love a lot of, I know you do too. Like you love a lot of babies and children that you know that were born of the parent that you know oh I, I, absolutely oh, yeah. and I and I we have these I have these conversations with these parents it's not like yeah it's just my personal feelings and yeah right I adore like like they're my own children like some right. kids that came out like the regular old way <laughs> right. Um, right. but me personally you know if I ever wanted to bring a child into my life it's gonna be a hundred percent foster adoption like I'm not gonna right I think like we're good on on football but can yep. can I ask you an astrology question because that was the other like kind of cool thing we were going to do. Yeah, please. It so, is our birthday. It is the moon of Aquarius. So that's what yep. I was going to ask you about is, 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 um, can you explain a little bit more about, well, maybe we should just do like a quick, like rundown of like what Aquarius people are like, but also mm-hmm. can you explain this full moon thing in Aquarius? Cause I don't, I don't fully follow. I, f- I, you know, honestly, I, I don't feel like I'm going to have an, a good enough explanation. So let this actually, I'm going to pause mm-hmm. and say that this is my pitch. We had one, tarot reader slash astrologer who we thought was going to be a guest on the show and that ended up falling through. So if any of you all are astrologers and or tarot readers, I could read out, reach out to Chani Nicholas, but I, I think she's maybe too much of a big deal for us. But we would love to have somebody who's actually like this is their job and their skill, their art to tell us more because I actually can't really tell you a ton about what it means that the full moon is in Aquarius other than that this is the period of time in the planet rotation that Aquarians were born. And so therefore, this is the planet rotation that that energy, as far as I can understand that that energy is like a big deal. So like Aquarian, when the full moon is in Aquarius, I think that means that like Aquarian energy is going to be what is sort of propelling the world, uh, I think. Should I read something? Please. (laughs) Okay, this is from Mystic Mama. And in our world, that sounds very credible. A great okay. credible source. Yes, Mystic Mama. We're down with you. New moon in Aquarius. And this is for the one in 2017. So it started on the 27th of January. Inquiries comes bearing the gift of expanded consciousness and long-term visioning that takes into consideration our extended community and our planet Earth. Mm-hmm. An Aquarian paradigm is rising across our planet, made up of people like you and me who stand for love, inclusion, and integrity, and who believe we have a duty and responsibility to be caretakers of Mother Earth and defenders of our human rights on behalf of all people, all races, all genders, and all faiths. This is our birthright and our call to freedom, and the big picture is that we are awakening and coming together in unprecedented numbers to use our voices and wield our power to defend and protect our rights and our beautiful planet against governmental violations and big business exploitation. Mystic Mama, you are the shit. And so I guess from what I can tell here is that our, the things that she just listed are all qualities that Aquarius people have, and so that Mm -hmm. is kind of like the power right now. Which mm-hmm. makes so much sense because we're seeing yeah. so much resistance from people that usually don't resist. And so basically, totally. when the full moon is in Aquarius, everybody kind of gets a little hit of like who we are. And they right. they use that power, whether they know it or not. Um, yeah. Because that, yeah. that is our deal. I buy it. Oh, 100%. Because, yeah. you know, one way that I explain what Aquarius people are like is like, 
we care more about saving the world than we do like fostering interpersonal relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that is our main concern when we start our day is like how to resist. And if you're not going to come with us, then you're not going to be interpersonally involved in our lives. And that's why like Rachel and I date very, or, you know, dating and friends, they're all very like politically minded. Mm -hmm. There's no other option. We don't have time for people who aren't because our main purpose in life is to change the world. Right. And we honestly think that we can and we do. Right. Yeah, that that is all very true. I mean, and, you know, which which we say with full acknowledgement that that's not always a great thing. And then that means that sometimes people don't like us. I've been definitely told that, you know, interpersonally that, you know, why does she have to talk about serious political stuff all the time? And it's like, what else do you talk about? Like, how do you not bring up politics at least once in a conversation? Hence, Killjoys also. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like we also are really bad at talking about our emotions. You know, like, we'll just kind of like, report on how things are going, but we don't, Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I have like gotten better at that, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm very, I seem very standoffish, um, because I don't want to talk about all the like hippy dippy woo woo stuff. I want to be like, this is what's going on with my life, you know, and not dwell on the feelings, the emotions, because that slows me down in terms of like action. So, right. Right. And I think my chart has a little more feelings in it than, it than yours does, yep. as we think discovered a, like almost a year ago when we when we did talk about astrology on this episode, but yep. on this podcast. But I definitely like shut down in certain like especially with partners, like there's a certain point like where if we're talking too much about emotions, I'll just like wall goes up and it's just like I'll get real cold because um, I can't hang. I just can't hang with it too much. But then I can also be incredibly like empathetic and sad and feelings in other times. So, but Aquarian, I, I've really strongly identified with it as soon as I learned about independent, humanitarian, free thinker were always the words I remember reading in like Teen Vogue, um, which I've been reading since before yeah. they even got as radical. But props to Teen Vogue, they're I don't know just like what's going rushing on with that, it. But... I like want to work there. I mean, I'm too old to work there probably, but they're just so cool. They're like the best publication right now. But I really, I really strongly identify with being an Aquarius and really like am not surprised when I really like a person and find out they're an Aquarius. Like I can usually tell. Um, It was not at all surprising to me that you were an Aquarius when we met, when I found out. Aquarians get get along with each other. And you know who I just found out was um, a Scorpio, which we don't like at all, is um, (laughs) Emily Fox. You know, my my, our our people in Portland. Yeah. We are just talking about this before we started recording. And there's something I need to I'm going to figure out like when her birth date was and stuff, because you know how like the rising sign can sometimes overtake. There's something going on with her because she is like totally not a Scorpio. Scorpio. There's a handful of people in the world who just aren't don't actually fit like my mom is a tourist but she does not seem like a tourist to me so there's just like a she's stubborn I mean she like works I mean I can see it yeah there's that yeah I guess I guess that's true but there's just other aspects that I feel like don't don't mesh with her yeah so yeah that's interesting it's always interesting to to learn people's signs I, I can often guess them but mostly only if they're air signs I can usually guess air signs Libra, Gemini, and Aquarius, and oh, Scorpios. Cool. Usually, usually you can really tell Scorpios. Usually, yes, yes, like from a mile away. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, I'm just gonna plug again. Like, if you know astrologers or tarot readers, please send them our way because we would love to have have somebody on air and talk more about it. Because I'm super into it. My new Twitter, like bio, like bibli- whatever the little thing, the profile words, okay. um, is. <laughs> 
<laughs> it says, I, I was stalling to try to find it. Uh, it says, I believe in astrology and organized struggle. And then I have the little emoji where she's flipping her hair. And also, And then a little hammer and sickle. So I was like, that's, that's me. But astrology made it into the profile because I do believe in it. That's awesome. I do yeah. believe in it too. And I was just going to say too, if I like, I like the concept of people calling in and like leaving messages and us playing them. Uh, yeah. And I, I need to like warn people that, you know, we have a three minute limit on our voicemail system. I'm just thinking out loud now that if people, if you, if somebody wants to, or if people want to like uh, verbalize any kind of like excitement or non-excitement for that, that would, you know, I, I'd love to splice in more people's voices. So I wasn't able to uh, splice in Jay's last time because I didn't warn them about the three minute limit. And then they had all this wonderful stuff to say. And so I had to read it, which was fine. I think it'd be really cool uh, if people call in and, and we would be welcome to and happy to splice in voices that aren't yeah. ours. If, yeah. You know, an interview doesn't feel good or you, you just have a, a reaction to something that would be great. Cause it's, yeah, I would love that if we had just like a listener response, you know, segment, which we kind of tried to do when people were like, you fucked up on this. And we had like the accountability corner. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. Are we not and, fucking up anymore? That's impossible. <laughs> right. Hello. Keep telling us. When we fuck up, y'all. So, yeah, let us know. But if you want to either leave us a message and we'll be accountable on air and, and amend our mistake, um, or if you actually want to call, yeah, we'll, and get, we'll uh, give you phone numbers. Yeah, we have phone numbers. <laughs> Rachel, the, the one that you put together for the holidays when you had people call in was so awesome. Yep. And it was a very popular episode. And so we'll have, to, yeah. we'll have to think It was about fun. Something. It was really, really fun putting that together. And I, I knew that that Kenny G version of Oddling saying, or however you pronounce that New Year song, was going to go behind it. And I was very pleased with how that all worked out. I liked I liked the juxtaposition of queer voices and Kenny G. It felt very good. <laughs> Should we wrap up? Are we going to do RWL? Please or? do. Right. Okay. Uh... I can I can go real quick. <laughs> you figure it out. Um, I just want to say, so I was almost finished with Michelle T's Black Wave last week, and I finished it, and it's really really good. I really, really recommend it for if, if folks want uh, something to read. Um, I recommend that. And I'm prepping right now Gail Rubin's uh, Thinking Sex, a pretty canonical, important essay in the feminist studies world. Um, teaching that tomorrow, so re- rereading that uh, to prepare. And watching, I don't remember, did I say this last time that we're watching tons of reruns of Frasier? No. Did, I don't no. think I said that. No, wait, is this something that's <laughs> on in the background that you have to watch even though you don't really want to because Logan's watching it? Logan watches it a lot, but then I was like, oh, this is kind of funny and great and takes my mind off of things. So yeah, maybe I already mentioned it, but we're continuing to watch a lot of Frasier and talk about pieces of shit that I shouldn't be supporting. Kelsey Grammer is oh, shit. garbage, but the show is really formulaic and funny. And John Mahoney, who plays the dad, is not a piece of garbage. He is a he is a gay man. And well, I guess I don't know his politics, but I think he's way cooler about stuff than Kelsey Grammer. But as we know, gay people can be pieces of shit. Shout out Milo, you piece of human garbage. Yeah, you asshole. Um, Fucking yep. trans people, you idiot. Okay. Yeah, he's, I mean, just the worst. Shout um, out Berkeley, the antifas yep. in the house. Yep. Oh, this goes so well with what we were talking about last week about property destruction. Totally. You see, that worked. Direct action gets mm. the goods, folks. And listening to nothing particularly new, I listened... Well, the I was I listened to the new the most recent Run the Jewels album. I just asked you about it earlier when it first came out. I think in December, but I was re-listening to it, and also No Names album. I just can't get enough of. It's been out for a while, but 
just love No Name so much. Do you listen to No Name? Mm-mm. We have a DJ here oh, named No Name. Yeah, it's she sings on Chance's songs. She's in um, <gasps> oh, Finish Line. Oh, got it. I didn't make I'm it. I'm trying to think. Got yeah. It. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, and was an S- she was on SNL. She wore that cute sweater dress and those little white sneakers oh my when, God. when Chance was on. Do you remember? Yeah, yes, yeah. I just love everything. Chance yeah, is so happy. Oh and my I'll- gosh, you need to go on Chance's Instagram. He posted the cutest video of him and his baby. Oh my God. Just made everything, like everything in the world was okay again. That's a thing. Uh, he just... I know. When I'm feeling He's sad... So delightful. I know. just gotta watch chance videos performances (laughs) they've been playing that um they've been playing that two-minute song on his album that one they've been playing it on the radio here oh really interesting that's like one of my that's like okay. It's like not one of my faves on the album. It's, it's too fine. short. Like it would yeah. be such a jam, but like the minute you're just like, yes, it's over. You're like, right? Yeah. Thanks a lot. That's dude. real. Extended, you should make a remix, Melody. We need an extended version. Oh, I uh, could on Audacity because I'm like an audio editing genius now. So yeah, it's true. <laughs> All right, that's a good project. So I am reading a lot about code switching languages because we're talking mm-hmm. about that in my intercultural class this uh, this next week. So I've been reading some stuff. NPR has a cool podcast called Code Switch, but they actually have a lot of like written material on their Mm -hmm. blog, which is cool. And they splice in some really neat videos like of Obama code switching and uh, Beyonce code switching. Mm -hmm. So I've been really into that kind of writing this week. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited to talk to my class about that. I've been rereading some stuff about Rihanna's work. Remember, you know, that obviously that huge song with, with Drake. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people thought that she was just talking gibberish, but it's actually indigenous language. But then I found a cool counter critique to like it not actually being native. Mm. So you you know how it works in the like liberal bubble. It's like the radical, I should say radical, radical intellectual arena. Somebody always has a critique of the critique, you know? Right, right, right. I've been watching uh, a lot of SNL, obviously. You all, if you're feeling down, please watch the SNL from last last night. It's going to make you feel a lot better. And I've been listening to a lot of uh, old school hip hop. We have an old school hip hop station. And when it isn't like Eminem or like somebody problematic, I, I keep it on um, instead of the news. And I was just... Yeah, that's good. The, the Luda song, the... Mm-hmm. Welcome to Atlanta where the play is play and we ride on the things like every day. So I've been... They play That's a lot good. of Luda. And yeah. <laughs> I, I never was a Luda fan, but my partner is really into Luda. And he's like, he, for the most part, is like awesome with... Pretty movies. good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, he's extremely talented, but also right. the problem with hip hop is you got to watch out for the lyrics. And he... Right. I listen carefully and he's very much into like treating the ladies right. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. And doesn't objectify, which makes sense because my partner does not listen to objectifying hip hop, but you know, not everybody's perfect. Drake. Right. Drake, you idiot. God. Cough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Cool. That's great. I should, I should put Luda on my sculpt playlist. Yeah, you should. Yeah. And he's pretty sexy. And he sang on um, one of John, or he didn't sing. He rapped on one of John Legend's songs. I don't know a lot. I actually, I mean... I don't think our listeners will care if I don't love John Legend, but I feel like 
some like ladies that I work with at my school would like want to have my head. But I think he's just like, okay. Yeah. I like him as a human and I love his wife. His wife is fucking badass on Twitter. She's like, she had, she talks about putting Nazis in their place a lot. She's fantastic. Chrissy Teigen. I didn't mean to just wife her. Yeah. And he's like really cool politically, but I just think his, like, I'm just like, his music is fine. I just like the songs that he has when he brings on rappers because they are just yeah. So yeah, I'll send you a couple selections. Yeah. Uh, He also had to endure the brunt of, we'll talk about this hopefully on the, like, Pop Culture Hollywood Day, but I doubt you saw La La Land, Melody. I'm guessing not. White people, not made by a woman. Yeah, I didn't think so. I saw it. <laughs> and uh, he had to endure the brunt of being the only black person who was barely on screen in a movie about jazz starring a white person. And it was, <laughs> like, really fucked up. There's, for those of you who saw La La Land, like, it's not that good of a movie. I don't think the last, like, Five minutes is actually like really incredible, and I like cried like a baby. But the the fact that the storyline centers on a guy who likes jazz, who is a white guy, and is like like is acts like he is like the knower of all things, like it's really bad. Anyway, didn't they get a lot of Oscar nominations? Oh, they got a ton. Hollywood's. Did you see that SNL skit? That should have given you a hint about like like the sort of cultural response to it when Aziz Sanzari was on. Yeah. And he was like, like in a police station because he didn't like La La Land. And people were like, no, because um, people are losing their shit about it because yes. Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood and it's about Hollywood. God, he's so good. Yeah, he's That great. monologue he's from really two great. weeks ago was so good. God. It was really good. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, WTF. Power. Bye. Bye. Money don't really make me hope. The magazine covers drenched in gold. The dreams of granny and mansion and happy. The little things I need to save my soul. And I know the money don't really make me hope. The magazine covers drenched in gold. The dreams of granny and mansion and happy. The little things I need to save my soul. Who am I, gypsy rap? Gypsy need her dollar back. And all of that, my devil's only closer when I call him back. Lick her in the limelight, lick her in the limelight with fine wine and ecstasy. You can have the rest of me. Basket case, silhouette, cigarette, internet. Check my Twitter page for something holier than black death. Who am I, Gypsy Black? The vacancy of Hallelujah. Me hollow in my interviews. Me only wearing tennis shoes to clubs with dress codes. Cause fuck they clubs. Everything is everything. Me no name. Me niggas doing cocaine. Me missing brother Mike like something heavy. Me heart just wasn't ready. I wish I was a kid to catch. When the sun is going down.
only he can save my soul And I know the money don't really make me whole The magazine covers drenched in gold The dreams of granny and mansion and happy The little things I need to save my soul When the sun is going down When the dark is out to stay I picture your smile Like it was yesterday When the sun is going down When the dark is out to stay I picture your smile Like it was yesterday